There we go. Good on you. I'd love to ask you a question of what type of movies do you love? What type of movies do you love? Are you a person that likes sci-fi? Uh, or are you a person that likes action? Are you like, do you like drama? Do you like horror? Anyone, if you like horror, we need to talk. But uh, do you like horror? Or are you a chick flick type of movie person? Last night, uh, we put on a movie. There was three of us at home. And um, 15 minutes in, I went to bed. I didn't rate it at all. But anyway, so I need to find out if it was any good afterwards. But, uh, you know, they say for men, there are two types of movies, men. There are chick flicks and then there are good ones. <laughs> anyway, you meant to get a few more laughs there, but anyway. <laughs> men, I, I want to say this morning as we speak that this message for you and what I want to say is very much for you this morning. I think there's something that all of us can take out of what I want to share this morning. But men, this is really, I believe, a really good message for us to hear. So if there's a male sitting near you, don't be afraid to just elbow them all of a sudden just to make sure they're with us. But this morning we want to begin a series looking at the life of Samson, who's a very unique character. And we find him in the Old Testament of the Bible. And we want to look at and just a bit of an overview of his life this morning. And I'm really excited about, uh, about this, especially because I believe we can learn so much from, from his life and uh, how it can impact on us today, no doubt. I'm just so glad that the, the character, the story of Samson is, is, in the, is in the Bible because I really believe what, especially for men, how we as men, and if you're here as a follower of Jesus, how we can especially make a difference in, in a world that so needs strong Christian men making a difference for the kingdom of God. I want to say, if you're visiting this morning, you're unchurched, you're not a Christian, you don't come, but you're here this morning, we do want to say it's so good that you're here. We hope there's something in what you hear today that encourages you and gives you hope um, and, and possibly even respond. But what you hear, you, don't have to, you can just listen. You don't have to take anything and do anything if you don't want to. But we're so glad you're here. One of the more sadder verses in the Bible for me is Ezekiel 22, chapter 30, where it says this, and this is God speaking. And he said these words, I look for a man among those who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not destroy it. And God then says, I looked for that man. I looked for such, for such a man like that, but I found none. I found none, not one man to stand in the gap. Oh, I thought, what, what would God say if he was speaking here today? Perhaps he would say, well, I'm, I'm looking for a man of integrity. I'm looking for men of integrity. I'm looking for, for men of faithfulness. I'm looking for those men, men who would stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. I'm looking for, for men who would lay down their lives to serve his bride, as Christ has laid down his life to serve the church. I'm looking for a man who would want to impart his Christian truth to the next generation because so many have so much truth to impart. I'm looking for people who would stand in the gap. 
I would hope in a, in a, if, if, we, if we look in this room like that, there's many men like that. Is that you, men? Is that you? You know, the story goes years ago, there was a, a man by the name of Henry Varley. And Varley once said to a young man named Dwight, Dwight Moody was his name, known to many as D.L. Moody, who would become one of the greatest evangelists of the modern times, someone who would share the good news of Jesus and people would come to know Jesus as their saviour. And Moody was one of the greatest evangelists of modern times. And, and Varley once said, the, said to him, the world has yet to see at this time, in our time, yet to see what God can do through one man whose heart is totally surrendered unto him. And Moody declared at that very moment, Tavali, I want to be that man. I want to be that man. You know, God is looking for men of integrity, of honour, of courage and faithfulness to him. So we launch into this study looking at the life of Samson for four weeks. I encourage you to be here over those next three weeks after today. And if you want to read ahead, you want to read of his life, I I, I love reading this guy's story and I think I've told you this occasionally and I'm happy to tell you again that if I was getting a little bit bored in church, I'd go to some of my favourite characters. My dad would elbow me a couple of times and then he'd open up to Judges 13 and he'd just say, read this. So I used to love reading this story. I love reading the story of Samson, Judges 13, uh, chapters 13 to 16. It's well worth reading. Today I want to give you a bit of an overview of this strong man who had uh, some, some attitudes that I think we can learn from, that we can avoid, actually, that make strong men weak. A lot of people know a little bit about Samson. People who don't know a lot about Samson know at least this much, that he was a strong man. He was a man of, of, of full of muscle and strength. And just prior to me coming to this church, that was me. And as you know, I've trimmed down, uh, but... Anyway, some of you are going, I didn't know you had a tattoo, Tim. There you go. Um, but anyway, it's not funny. Uh, a lot of people know a little bit about Samson, that he was a man of muscle and strength. But also we know that his accomplishments were legendary. But at the same time, so were his weaknesses. In fact, he's a lot like many men, even today. He had so much God-given potential. And yet again and again and again, he made bad decisions and self-destructed. Just like you, just like me. Potential gifts God has given to, for, for his kingdom's sake, for kingdom living. And again and again, Samson made poor decisions. And yet, what we do know, and this is why it's worth coming to the last week, we do know that even at the very end of his life, despite all his poor decisions, God still had a purpose for him. To summarise his life, someone put it this way. Just go back a slide there. To put it this way, Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will, like many people. Let me, let me give you a bit of an overview of his story. The Israelites had been unfaithful to God. 
So God put them under the rule of the Philistines, their enemies. And in Judges 13.1, it says this. If you've got your Bibles there, it just says this. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So they were under the rule. They were under the captivity of their enemies, the Philistines. Finally, God sees their situation. They're learning from their lesson. He says, I'm going to rise up a man, a man by the name of Samson, who will deliver you from the Philistines, from the rule of the Philistines. And the angel of the Lord appeared to a couple who at the time were unable to have children. And the, and the angel says in verse 5 of Samson that you will give birth to him and he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So he had a real purpose. But as our title of our series says, Power Without Purpose, he had a, had a real purpose, but, but he, he loses track of what his, his purpose really is, despite his, what we might call, power. And God, from the very beginning of Samson's life, the Spirit of the Lord stirred, says, with Samson, and God came upon him in supernatural ways with strength that is beyond anything anyone in this room probably can ever imagine. And, and the angel said, I want you, your family, to live by what's known as the Nazarite vows. We won't go through all of that, but Numbers chapter 6 is worth a read if you'd like to look through that. But here at what it essentially was, it was, a, it was a person who was willing to make a commitment to make vows that would separate them for the glory of God and his purpose. Say, so I'm living these vows, I'm devoting myself to God and to serve him wholly. So I'm going to commit to these vows. And, and these were the vows that Samson had to live by. Don't get drunk. No coronas, no ciders, no wine with your dinner. Don't let alcohol touch your lips. The second was, don't touch anything dead, nothing unclean, don't touch it. And the third vow was, don't cut your hair, don't get a haircut, let your hair grow long. Now, what, was, what did that look like back then? From what I understand, what I understand, even back then, mall mullets were banned. So just so you know, he didn't have a mullet. That was funny. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, we don't know what it looked like, but he just did not have a haircut. His hair was long, long hair. Now, why? Well, a little bit like baptism, I think. You know, when someone's baptised, it's an outward symbol of their faith in Jesus Christ, a wedding ring. This is a symbol that I'm married to Sonia. It's an outward symbol. His long hair was a symbol of what he was committed to doing. It was an outward sign of his commitment to those vows. It was a visual sign that he was set apart to be used by God. God had his hand upon him. God's strength is with him. So much so that when God's spirit was upon him, and we'll see this, that, that he was able to slay 1,000 Philistine men. 1,000. Just think about that. God's strength also gave him the ability that he saw a lion. 
Not, not a chihuahua, a lion. And he ripped it apart. And yet with all of this God-given potential, his weak will got him in trouble time and time again. So we're going to see through these four weeks as Samson betrays God for, for, for all sorts of different things, different ways. One way we see it is, is for a handful of honey. Yes, a handful of honey. We're going to see how his temper gets the better of him and he, and he takes the life of innocent people. You see how he falls victim in the pursuit of women, lusting after women and how that gets him into trouble. This story of Samson, his character, his decisions, what he does is still so relevant for us to what to avoid, what to learn from. You know, I'm not sure what your honey pot might be, but it might be technology, it might be making money, it might be getting fit, it might be studying. You know, you might not literally kill people, but you might absolutely turn people away from you relationally, avoiding friendships with certain people. Maybe it is for some men here, actually, for some men here. It's actually the pursuit and the lusting after women. Outside of your marriage. Samson had so much potential for greatness, yet again and again he squandered the potential with some silly living. In my time in ministry, and this is certainly for men, young and old, I've seen men that have been very committed, very hard-working at their workplace, type A leaders, really totally invested in their workplace. They take charge, they seek to do all that they can, but then they come home and they're very passive. They're hands-off. They don't lead their family or their kids anyway. They're committed in one place, but they're uncommitted in another. I've seen men who are so committed to their finances, their careers and their hobbies, yet they're not committed to their wife. What's up with that? You know, I've seen men who study, who research things that at times just stagger me how much time they put into studying things so they know exactly the right fishing rod to buy, the best drill for the deck that they're going to build. They know everything about everything when it comes to the Apple computer company. They know the best TVs. They, they've memorised JB's fly that's come in the mail. They spend hours and hours and hours doing that, but to get them or even talk to them about opening the word of God or listening to them is like pulling teeth. It's the least of their priorities. They want to grow and deepen in their knowledge of JB Hi-Fi building a deck, making money rather than deepening their relationship with Jesus. And sadly and truly I've seen men, husbands who love their wives but are so deeply locked into the prison of lust and pornography that they're afraid to even ask for help. So much potential 
and yet at the same time self-destructing with bad decision after bad decision. You know, Samson's life shows us three very specific attitudes that make strong people weak. I just want to share those with you this morning. Their lust, their entitlement, and their pride. Lust, entitlement, and pride. Lust being where someone says, you know what, I desire that, and I'm going to do all that I can because I want it, and I'm going to get it. I've got to have it. I want it. You know, the, 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 the case of the man especially who wants something in the area of lust forgets all logic. But it's not just lust, but it's in all areas. I want it. I've got to have it. Might be a new car, new whatever it is. But you forget all logic when you lust after something and you pursue it with reckless abandon. Let's look at Samson here in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young lady, a young Philistine lady, and he had an issue with young or he had an issue with women. And when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen the Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Just so you know, I didn't say that to, to, to uh, my parents. I'm, it's not a common thing that we do, but for Samson, that is what he was after. That, I want her. You go and get her for me. I want it. I'm even willing to go into the enemy's territory. Even though the scripture says that God says, you shall not intermarry with those who do not worship me, I want her. I want it. I don't care what dad says. I don't care what mum says. I don't care what God says. I don't care what's right or wise. I want it. And I'm going to lust after it. The attitude of lust. The second was, was the spirit of entitlement. Not only do we want it, but we believe we deserve it. I worked hard for it. I've been slaving away for it. I've put up with him. I've put up with her. So I deserve something else. I've gone through a hard time. We get this attitude of entitlement. What we see with um, Samson is that there's one day that he's going along and the Bible says that a young lion jumps out, similar to this one, jumps out. Not, as I said, not a little chihuahua or a little, little, little lion, whatever, but a lion like that. And Samson comes across this lion and the Spirit of God came upon him and he ripped this young lion apart. He ripped a lion apart. You probably should be going, whoa. But anyway, we're a quieter church, but that's amazing. That is unbelievable. It is to me anyway, because if I was sitting there, I'd go, whoa, that's amazing. But anyway, but it's one of the cooler things in the Bible. But what we do see in verse 8 of chapter 14 is not long after that, when he, when, he, when he went back to marry this young Philistine lady, what did he do? The Bible says this. He turned aside. Folks, that's when we get in trouble. 
where we, when we know where we should be going, the path that we should be going, and we turn aside. It says there that he turned aside and he looked at the lion's carcass. So he got this ripped lion, this dead lion, and the Bible says in the lion's carcass was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands, and he ate it as he went along. I I love honey. I love it. In fact, some people from this church went and saw my parents um, just recently, and they've actually brought back Tons of honey for me. I love honey, especially honey that comes from Kangaroo Island. That might sound odd to you, but I love it. I love honey. But this is nasty. This is, this is another, another level of honey here. He takes some honey out of the dead lion's stomach. But here's the second thing that I, I want you to notice with it. He wasn't supposed to touch it. What's he doing touching it? Why is he going there? It's unclean. The same God that gave him the power to rip that lion, he betrays. He betrays a vow that he made. Why? For a handful of honey. For that quick fix. We might think, what what, what a silly man. What was he thinking? But yet I think for some of us, really, if we really are honest with ourselves, we could probably say to ourselves, well, we've put our hand in the lion's stomach to get our bit of honey. We've been silly enough, we've made silly decisions too for that quick thrill because we believe we deserve it to get back at someone. Right now, men, some of you men, I'm going to speak to you. You right now, in a sense, have a a lion's carcass in front of you and the honey is right there. And that temptation is right there right now as you sit here that you are battling with and you're going through. I want to say that you need to run so far away from that carcass of a lion. Whatever that is, whatever that honey is, you need to flee from that. The consequences are too great. If you put your hand into that. Because you're betraying, if you're here this morning, your heavenly father. Who has blessed you. So there's lust, there's entitlement and then there's pride. Lust, entitlement and the attitude of pride. You know, we think, well, I can handle it. I'm strong enough. But we're not. We see through Samson. Wasn't strong enough. I can I can handle it. I'm strong. We we see way too many times, and even through Samson's life, that that wasn't the case at all. I can handle that lady being my friend without it going any further. I'm strong enough. I can handle it. I can handle buying more stuff. I can, under, I can work out our payments. But before you know it, you're drowning. Some of you are absolutely drowning in it. 
You know, if we fast forward to the end of Samson's life, we'll see a lot of this in week four, but we're going to see perhaps this strongest man who ever lived, who from birth had God's hand upon him, God's spirit strengthening him. And we're going to see this man whose eyes are gouged out and he just has dark sockets in his eye sockets. And we're going to see this man, Samson, who, 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 who's the strongest man who ever lived, who, who's bound with his prized haircut and he is the laughing stock of everyone who's looking at him. They're mocking him. He's an absolute laughing stock. And this is what lust, this is what entitlement, this is what pride can do to you. It can cause the man or the woman who God wants to use in the most amazing ways miss out on the plan that God has for you, the purpose that he has for you. It took Samson down, those three things. That despite the great plan, the purpose that God had for Samson, he, he made other choices and it kept dragging him down time and time again. And I want, you might say, well, hey, you're telling me that my eyes will get gouged out? No, I'm not telling you your eyes are going to get gouged out. But I'm telling you it might be a lot worse. It could be 30, 40, 50 years for some of you men that you will look back at a marriage that's failed, for example, or a marriage that God intended you to have, and you'll think, my goodness, what did I do? I made bad choices. I could have controlled them back in 2017, but I didn't. And now I live with those regrets. Some of you will, will quite possibly, I hope not, none of us fathers here today, where we might look back and our children don't want anything to do with us because of our decisions, our choices that we made, and they have no respect for us. They don't want to be in our presence. Here's the thing, though, I want to say, and this is the great thing that I want to say, it doesn't have to be that way. You can change the course. You can make sure you stay on the path that lust, entitlement and pride don't get the better of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, that with his power, no matter what, you can be transformed, you can be new, you can be made different. You can be a difference maker in the world. And that's why I just believe in the power of prayer in so many ways. Because it allows me to talk to my heavenly father about these things that I'm working through, that I'm struggling through, that I want to be. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, give me courage to be the person that you intend me to be. May, be, may I be a person of strength in my Christian faith for you, for my wife, for my family, for the church. I pray that because that's what, that, that I truly believe that God will then give that to me. My Heavenly Father will. Help me to be the person that can defend the defenselessness. Help me to be that godly husband, that godly father. Your prayer. God, help me to be that godly woman that I won't fall into lust. I won't fall into pride. 
so that I can be what you want me to be, to live the purpose out that you have for me. You know, one of my favourite scriptures of all time comes out of Philippians 4.13. And some of you will know this, but um, it's this, I can do all things. And some people end at that part of the scripture. I think, come on, the whole lot's got to go in. I can do all things through him, through him, through our heavenly Father, through him who then gives me strength. It's through him. I can't do all things on my own. I can't handle everything. I haven't got the strength. I haven't got the willpower at times. I can give in. And here's the thing that I've learned very clearly over my Christian walk is that my spiritual enemy, Satan, loves to see the strong man, the strong woman, weak. But God is for you. God is for you. Amen? Amen. That we serve a God who is willing to say, hey, I know you're weak. I know you're vulnerable, but you can pray for my strength, my help, my guidance. I want to make you strong. Satan wants to take us out, make us weak. God wants to make us strong. Our Heavenly Father does. As we finish up, I want to leave you with a a thought here. I want to give you a, a... an attitude, I want to I give you something that I hope um, you can take with you this week. But not just this week. In the moment of strength and in the moment of weaknesses, instead of saying, I want it, I can handle it, I deserve it, I want you to begin to do this. I want you to say, I want God. I want God. I need God. Maybe it's the first time or the first time in a long time to say, I need God. I need God's strength. I want you, God, first and foremost in my life. I want your word living inside of me, inside my spirit. I I want your strength. I want you guiding my steps. You know, as as a a parent, when your kids are really little, um, you would say to them occasionally, Stop wanting. Stop, just, just stop wanting for things. Can you please? The great thing with our Heavenly Father is that we can keep coming to Him with this. I want your strength. I want your, your word living inside of my spirit. Give me the strength, I pray. The Bible says, invites us to ask for that. I want your voice directing me. I want you, God. You know, Paul wrote these words, and this might sound a little bit harsh, but he said these words, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And I think for me, I, uh, and I hope for all of us here that we would say as Jesus followers here, that really we, we need to have this attitude of saying, you know, I deserve death. The wages of sin is death. For my actions against my heavenly Father, I don't deserve anything. I'm not entitled to anything. God does not owe me anything. 
But in his goodness, while we were sinners, Christ forgives us of our sin, that he died on the cross. Suddenly, we're not deserving, we're humble before a holy God. Rather than saying, I can handle it, it's coming to God saying, I can't handle it on my own, but I can with you when you're the centre of my life. I need you. I need you. I deserve death. I can't handle anything without you. Let me close with this. Christian dads, for a minute, let me say this to you. For numbers of you here today, your kids see you as their hero. Or as they grow up, some of you, your kids under one. And uh, they, I believe, many of them will see you as their hero. You know, my, my dad, for, for all he is, he's still been a hero of mine. I love him. And uh, I look forward to speaking to him today and telling him that. But for many of us, our dads are our heroes. And for many of the men here who's been blessed with children, as a dad, you are their hero. They might not always say that, but, but you are. You're, you're in many ways their strength. You're their sounding board. But what I want to say to you might sound a little bit odd here. I think it's not a bad thing for them to hear occasionally when the time is appropriate with your kids to say, you know, I know you see me and you look up to me, but I want you to know that I'm not always as strong as you might think. Now, they may look at you very confused at that very moment, so it's important to keep going. But to be able to say to them, I can only stand here and be strong for you because of my relationship with my Heavenly Father. You know, my, my kids know that, uh, that their dad has some serious weaknesses, and if you're wondering, just ask them. But they also know that of the depth of my relationship with my Heavenly Father, because we talk about that. That, that they know that I am weak, that I'm vulnerable. It's important they hear that from me. And it's never too late to tell them that. That, that I'm capable, just like anybody else, of doing things that are, that are ungodly. Without the presence of God in my life. And they know there have been some things that I've done that I regret. But they know that without the presence of God in my life every day, day by day, that, that the fall might happen a lot more. But they need to hear that from us dads of how important, if that's the case for you, how central your Heavenly Father is in your life. If you haven't told your children that, that's my challenge to you today. Dads, men, women, we need to be wholly surrendered unto our Heavenly Father. For, for Samson shows us just what does happen when we turn aside. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. 
Let me pray. Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, for, for numbers of us here, it's a, it's a special day. It's a time of celebration. It's a time where we give thanks for the dads in our life, for many of us here. We also understand, and as, as Ruth has prayed to, there are, there are men here and uh, women here today who have gone through really tough situations with uh, their relationship in and with their father. May they know again your peace that passes all understanding in those times. But for those of us who are fathers here today, who have that privilege of speaking deeply into the lives of your children who you have blessed us with, I pray that we would be bold, strong and committed to be telling our children time and time again, of what our relationship with you means to us. That we aren't perfect. That we do things that we wish we didn't even at times, but we are so committed in our relationship with you. I pray that our children would know that today. We know that this world more than ever needs men, godly men who are willing to make a stand in their family, in their workplace, in their marriages, in their streets, wherever it might be. May we be, men and women, be wholly surrendered unto you, our Heavenly Father. I pray for those who are struggling in the area of lust today, struggling in the area of feeling entitled, struggling in the area of living a prideful life. I pray that they would acknowledge their weaknesses and their need for a saviour. To draw themselves back to you or to draw themselves to you for the first time. May they seek you, seek the help they need. I pray for those who are weak in temptation. We thank you God that you do give us a way out. May you be their strength and their wisdom. I do pray for anyone that is sitting here right now who is feeling absolutely trapped, absolutely cornered. I pray that your presence would be so real for them at this time that they would feel your presence and know that you are with them, you love them and you want to journey with them out of that entrapment. May we, not just dads, but may we all rise up to live out our full potential for your glory. And we pray that in your name's sake. Amen.